Hey there, if you're hearing this or seeing it, you're listening to this on the public feed. And today we're gonna get into the behind the scenes of Kill the Swimmers, the somewhat controversial birth control video that I made uh, not that long ago, but was a long time in the making and something that turned out a little bit differently than I had hoped, but still something that I'm proud of. So I hope you enjoy this episode. If you don't wanna get little intros like this and you wanna skip any ads like a break in the middle, then be sure to subscribe via the members only feed over on Patreon. If you become a patron, you get these episodes when they're live. This came out about five or six months ago. Uh, and there's an entire second season waiting for you to discover over there, ready to go. And the beginning of season three is also live and up and running. So just gonna throw that in there. Patreon.com slash Jay Swanson. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the episode. Garage Monologue Season 2, Episode 2. Uh, it's an actual monologue today, which should be good. I Today, I wanted to talk about the swimmers a little bit. Uh, Kill the swimmers behind the scenes, a little bit more of the story, because it was a secret project for such a long time. And I think it was secret project number one. could go back and, and triple check that, but it's all a secret. What does it matter which numbers they are? Uh, I was going to talk a little bit about secret project number two, um, and maybe at the end of this I will, because... It's coming back to life a little bit, which is exciting. Um, but in the meantime, a little bit of the like, let's let's dive into killing the swimmers a little bit more because, like, the original plan has been kind of lost to the world based on the way that we ended up going about presenting it. You know, the timeline was a little bit confusing, I think, for some people as far as like how long was this going on and what did I do? When did I do it? And then just a few other notes, like interesting things that I learned. Am I still drinking coffee made out of the same coffee kettle? And, uh, you know, just my thoughts on how it was received when it first went to YouTube here and uh, where do we go from here? Because I think that it's important to kind of think about this in a longer, you know, in, in longer terms, but not always the easiest for me to do, especially with how much I have going on in general. So anyway, I thought I'd just jump into it. I'm feeling really good today overall. I did also start some like career coaching recently, which is like it's kind of more of a half step between career coaching and like almost like a spiritual therapy type thing. It's interesting, but it's been really helpful. And uh, I'll talk more about that, I think, as time goes on. Um, but it's been really cool. I can tell you a little bit about how that came about at the end of this as well. But the original plan for all of this was to make a documentary. The original, original thing was when I first thought of it was really, it was inspired very much by the woman that I was dating at the time and what she was going through and seeing uh, just like I don't know, feeling helpless or powerless in the midst of that. And I think it's really challenging because when in making the video that I did make and in making the documentary that I would like to make or that I would have liked to have made, um, it's hard because like you can't tell my story. My story can't be told without telling at least a little bit of her story. And there's a danger of like co-opting her story. And I don't want to do that. But I also don't want to be dishonest in saying that like this idea sprang to my head without being inspired really or motivated by the pain of somebody that I knew. And that was something that was kind of tricky. And at the beginning, well, I mean, a red flag for our relationship when I told her that I was like, you know, I'm thinking about doing this thing. Like I see what's going on here. And like, I hate the fact that I have no control over this. We'd had a close call before. Um, and I was just like, I think I'm going to look into figuring out how to solve this. And she was just like, okay, do what you're going to do what you're going to do. And just gave no craps about it, which is not a good sign for the future of your relationship with somebody when you're like 
interested in these things and going to do something about it and you're with somebody who's like supportive um but really just like doesn't care we can get into that some other time talking about the um relational elements of some of the, the patterns and cycles i've fallen into in the past but when i dove into it it was really motivated by that and i realized um later that like oh this will make this would actually make like a really interesting documentary because so timeline when i was dating her was in the summer of 2019 so three years ago and that's when I initially had the idea to start looking into this and started digging to find some information about it. I didn't actually act on it fully until after we'd broken up um, and it was 2000, it was 2020 in January. And I had had the idea, it had been wrestling around in my head. I hadn't really let it go for months and months. And I was like, I just at that point felt almost an obligation to do it, like not to be high and mighty about it, but like a moral obligation. Like I was like, I have this idea. It makes perfect sense. The math works out. I don't understand why there's not more or better information on this. Somebody has to do something. I might as well give it a try. And then I felt basically like I had to give it a try. I didn't really feel like I even had. I did have a choice, obviously, but I, I really felt compelled to do it. And so I figured, OK, I got I got to like talk to some medical friends, at least to make sure I'm not being totally insane. I need to create some sort of a device to do this because I don't have a bathtub. So I literally did make a chair and we cut the hole out of that, which you saw in the video um, and just tried to figure out how do I like, in the most efficient way possible, heat just one part of my body basically. Also, I probably, I think I was gonna say in the intro, but there, we may get into TMI territory a little bit today, hopefully not too much, but I mean, uh, we're gonna be talking about a video in which I uh, soaked my nuts in hot water with the intent of rendering myself temporarily infertile. So I think, I hope I warned you about that at the beginning, but if you didn't pick up on that already, that, that we are going to talk about that to some degree. And I went through that process, like as coronavirus, as COVID-19 was starting to like come over the horizon and we were debating whether or not anything was really going to come of it. And that was kind of mounting as I started my test. And as I started doing that first round of soaking and, you know, trying to figure out how I could make this work. And it's kind of funny to go back and watch the footage. There's so much footage. It's insane how much footage I took. I, it, but I, it's really good to go back and interesting to go back and see like what I was thinking, how I was feeling and just how iterative the whole thing was. Because every time I came up with an idea, like I knew that I needed to insulate my legs from uh, the pot, but did it in a way that didn't really work the first time. Like nothing really worked the first time. I ended up buying a sealant that was meant for dry heat. So like it just dissolved in the water and I just ended up in this black soup uh, from this like charcoal based oven sealant. Um, and Oh man, just so many things that just didn't go wrong, right. I got the sous vide, obviously. I was actually seeing someone at the time, a different woman who went with me to buy that. And, you know, we, we set that up and almost burned myself. I had a couple of close calls. Like I really came close to burning myself there. That really hurt. And it was, it's cool to see how much like effort I put into it, but also I feel kind of stupid. It's hindsight's twenty twenty. It's like, obviously I could have just gone straight to the coffee kettle. If only I had realized that that was an option from the beginning. And I don't know why I didn't, maybe I didn't have a fellow coffee kettle yet. Maybe I just assumed that it could only boil water and I didn't think it could go that low. And obviously I'm trying not to burn myself, but 
then just in that learning process of like, I pushed it to the extreme and that extreme was right where you get burned. Probably didn't need to go quite that far. But this is also the thing with like the lack of information that we have on this. Do you need to push things to that extreme? To where, where do you actually need to go? What do you need to do? How hot does this need to be? How much do you need to do it for? There's so many unanswered questions. And there's like ideas out there, but I would like some real science. So that's what launched me into this and thinking, okay, I can do this. So that was the beginning of 2020. Lockdown happened. I was able to get one more sperm test in before they called all of that off. Um, and then I just kind of was left feeling pretty defeated. And honestly, like the world was obviously coming to a, it was, everything was just falling apart. I think the elections were going on and um, we were getting locked down and we didn't know what was going to happen. We were all kind of scared and worried. And so I just, I just kind of let it go for a while. And I was, I was still in the bit of a, a burnout phase, which is also why I didn't do quite as much filming as I would have liked to in some ways, but I still had a lot of footage. So 2020 came and went. Um, and the idea never fully left, but I definitely, I definitely let it go for a while. Cause I was like, well, I don't know. I tried, but I knew that I could do better. Like I knew that I could come up with a better idea. And so it was towards the end of 2020, I guess it was in 2021, like probably early 2021. I could go look at the actual dates, but now my computer's all shut down. So we'll just kind of uh, give this an estimate, but I was having coffee with Prushan and we were talking about it and I was like having kind of the itch where I was like, I got it. I have to try this again. Like I have to figure out why this didn't work. I can make it work. I know I can make it work. Um, cause it just makes sense. And so we literally were just like, well, I don't remember what happened. I think it was just literally like, I was just looking at his, he has the same coffee kettle and I was looking at it. I was like, can it go that low? And we talked about it. And so while we were there, he thinks that we filmed this. I don't know if we filmed it because Pushan helped me film a number of things. My buddy Nick helped me film a number of things. Um, and we were originally going to make like a full documentary out of this. So we had audio. We had like, we were trying to do the full thing to like make a real, a real documentary. And I was, I'll, I'll tell you more about like what my initial plan for that documentary was. But we looked at it and we were like, we got to try it. And we found out that, oh, this kettle can go that low. And then I was off to the races. Like, I have to do this. So the other kettle I have, I could show you probably, but... Um, I, it is not the kettle that I'm using now to make coffee. I don't worry. I'm not drinking out of the same kettle, even though I probably could have. The reason that I'm not is that I had to super glue plastic shielding around it to protect my legs and uh, my member, we'll say, because you don't want that in the water because that heats you up really, really. I mean, you just want the boys in the water. If you get the boys and uh, the member, as I guess I'm now calling it, uh, that is, there's a lot of blood flow going through there and it heats you up really fast. So you want to keep that out. So I had like a bridge over the front half of uh, the coffee kettle to hold that up uh, and then uh, shielding around the back to protect my legs. And that's all super glued on there. Uh, that kettle is, is ruined. And I obviously sealed a couple other things just to keep it from spilling. So uh, that kettle has one purpose and one purpose only now. So do not worry. Uh, it's, I'm not treating my friends to an extra broth when they come over. All that to say, I also had to iterate there. Like I started on the stairs, which you can see behind me if you're watching the video version of this, but on the stairs that go up to my bed, that's where I started sitting. And then I realized that was very uncomfortable. Why don't I just set up like the table and step stool situation that I did a few days later? Also not comfortable, but better. And right in front of the TV and I could just watch TV or play games or do whatever and pass the time. Obviously filming yourself and taking notes and doing like the, like the verification of the temperature, all of that, like doing both kind of like the science and the documenting at the same time, 
made it still fairly stressful. Like the whole experience was very hands-on, very stressful. But if you had like a setup that was consistent and you didn't have to film yourself and you weren't trying to accomplish anything else in that time, it would be very doable. It's, it's a very, it's really simple. It's really straightforward. It is not comfortable, but it's not bad. And when it gets uncomfortable like and painful is where you shouldn't be anyways. So would I do this again in the future? Yeah, but we're skipping ahead. Uh, I'm definitely rambling on this monologue a little bit here, but did that tested it, turned out that it worked. And that kind of blew my mind. And it felt like, it felt like in the moment, it felt like such an accomplishment because I had spent years at that point, I guess close to two years thinking about it, developing the idea, iterating, burning myself. I did burn myself that second time. So maybe that was the fall of 2021 actually, now that I think about it, because I'm thinking about when we filmed people's reactions. And I think that that was like September, October of 2021 that I did that and I proved that it worked. So I had been thinking about it for two years at that point, and it felt like such a huge accomplishment. Just the fact the first time when we saw that I had reduced the motility, which is how much my sperm was swimming, to the point that I was infertile. And then when I saw the second follow-up and I saw that there was, there was nothing, like the sperm were just completely gone and I was shooting literal blanks. It was the most incredible and validating feel. I mean, it was just like, wow, like this is really, really cool. Like I, I set out to do this to prove something basically and to create something and ironically to create something in the prevention of creating something and it worked. And that was, that was a really, really cool moment. And it was really hard not to share um, because like the whole idea and the reason that I didn't want to share all of this was in the documentary that I wanted to make out of this. What I really wanted to do was I wanted to kind of address people's presuppositions, like their assumptions about whether this is even possible, but contraception as a whole. So talking to men and women about their experiences with contraception, just to draw the contrast between men and women's experience using contraception, because men really don't, we don't even really have the option, but also to kind of more than anything to draw out that it's the status quo, that we don't really think about it or question it. And why don't we? Because shouldn't we be? Shouldn't we be thinking about this? Shouldn't men be wanting to take responsibility for this? Because I certainly would like to take responsibility for this, at least on my part, on my half. Why aren't we discussing this? Why is this a weird or fringy thing? Why is it that when you look at the material on this on the internet, there's very little even about like the male reproductive system or the idea of male contraception. And a lot of it is just kind of odd, oddball types that are doing it. There's some really cool and interesting people that are working on it. The University of Washington is diving very deeply in it. So like not my hometown, they're actually the rival of my hometown team. However, home state team, um, you know, like there's so much going on here. There's so much potential here. Why aren't we tapping into it? And so because we're not thinking about it, and especially because I know doctors pretty well, like I lived on a hospital ship for three years. I've lived with medical professionals for a long time. Um, I also know that they, they are human and they fall into that same category as all of us where they're like, well, this, if it worked, we would have figured this out by now. Or if this was the way things were going to be, we would already know this. Like somebody would have figured this out and can often get stuck in the way things are. And I wanted to challenge that as well by sitting them down getting their expertise, asking them lots of questions about whatever that, that, whether they're an endocrinologist or, you know, um, 
like a, a, a sex a sex health educator or whatever it is like on that spectrum, just to kind of sit them down and ask them about their specialty and draw out an interesting conversation. And then at the end of that, propose to them the idea. Is that French to say to propose the idea? But to suggest like, what if we were to do this heat contraception thing and get their response and see like how resistant they were or how dismissive they were and then show them the results. Obviously some of them would be like, yeah, this should work, why don't we know? And then you could show it to them. But the idea being that like, there's a gap there because there's so little that's been done on it and so little information out there, some little advancement that the hope would be there would be a real reaction there when they saw my results. Same thing with like just normal people talking to them about their experiences with contraception, especially talking to women who have been adversely affected by their contraception, whether that's the pill or a hormonal implant or their experience with like an IUD. There's a lot of really interesting and some genuinely horrifying stories out there. There's a documentary coming out even about um, kind of the darker side of contraception, which we don't want to tear it down because it's given us so much and it's amazing. But we also want to be asking these questions because it is doing harm and it would be really good if we could, and the history of it is actually pretty dark too. Like the history of the pill is actually steeped in eugenics and the development of the pill is has a very dark story behind it. And that's just part of our history and we should be able to see it and acknowledge it. So how do we move forward in a, a lighter, brighter way? How do, we, how do we build for a better future for men and women? Um, and women are bearing an un, a, a massively disproportionate share of the burden, like almost all of it. So how do we help to alleviate that? And instead of maybe even subjecting men, because men refuse to like put up with the side effects of a lot of these treatments, which we then expect women to put up with for whatever reason, how about we just alleviate those side effects altogether? And so that's kind of my motivation of like this whole thing with the, the soaking is that it's all natural. It's safe as long as you don't do it exactly the way that I did it. Like there are better ways of doing it and I discovered that along the way. But as far as we can tell, there are no side effects. We need more study for that because it is potentially, there are potential dangers within it and I acknowledge that. And that's why I'm not saying anybody else should go and do this. Definitely there are safer like clinical trial style ways of doing this. Um, and there are a couple of people that called me an idiot in the comments for that, but whatever, like, hey, we got to take risks and I'm willing to take some. Quick little insert here from present Jay talking in this past monologue about Kill the Swimmers. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope it's interesting. If you want to hear these episodes right when they come out, then jump on over to patreon.com slash Chase Swanson. You can subscribe to the members only feed. There's a link in the welcome email that you'll get so you can sign up. It'll give you access and then you'll be able to hear all these episodes as they come out live. And that way you don't have to wait five or six months to hear them. So if you're enjoying it, and if you enjoy everything I'm making, it's the most direct way that you can support my channel, this podcast, all the things that I'm doing. And it makes a huge, huge difference. So thanks to all my patrons, if you're hearing this, for supporting me. And if you'd like to join their number, patreon.com slash jswanson. Now back to the episode. But it's an all-natural way that theoretically could be as effective or more effective than a lot of options out there, certainly more than like condoms, for example, and not as temper or not as uh, permanent as a vasectomy. So if we could add some things like this, why don't we continue to look into them? And obviously a lot of it comes down to our economic model and the way that our system works is that if you can't sell it, people aren't gonna want it. And Americans in particular really wanna just take a pill and forget about it for kind of everything. Um, the idea of actually putting in work 
towards any of these things might be a, a massive barrier to a lot of people. But I would like to believe that there are enough people out there that are responsible and willing to do something and willing to see this for the benefit that it has, that there are people out there that would would take it as an option. Men, you know, that identify as men, people that have testicles, however we're going to say this, at least that they would be willing to to give it a try. And so that was my hope was, okay, let's make a documentary where we can share some of the history. Like my story of uh, soaking and subjecting myself to this would be the core. Like that would be the driving story that runs through the whole thing. But around that, we could weave men and women's stories, especially women's stories, just trying to educate men in particular to the burden that women are carrying, but also to help women to see that those who haven't already, to see that there is a status quo here that is unfair and that we could be questioning. So to weave that story around the core of my pursuit of uh, temporary infertility. And then around that, we could, we could bring in the education, like the, the conversations with experts in a variety of fields, whether that's uh, the scientists that are actually studying like the male pill or the gel, or there's some really interesting things that are being studied that we could talk to, uh, all the way down to like ethicists who might argue that men can't be trusted in the first place to take this and have very interesting arguments about that um, that you may or may not agree with, but are certainly fascinating, as well as just, you know, all kinds of very, very interesting people. I have a whole list of people that I wanted to talk to to get their thoughts and their opinions on all of this. And Pushan and I actually drew up like a whole budget. Um, we put everything together. We kind of had a plan. We had a rough schedule, an idea. And ultimately, like, it didn't come together for a number of reasons. One, because the money that I uh, had to invest into the project was either partially being invested into secret project number two or was being taken from me by the French government because the French government came... I, you've heard this story before, probably, but came to me from the future and said, in two years, you will owe us this much for social charges, and we want that plus 20% this week. Which was really stressful, because I didn't have that money. That's a lot of money. I don't have that money. And they, they almost put me out of business, which I came to find out uh, is what the French government likes to do. Uh, URSAF, the office that uh, deals with social charges, which is the vast majority of your tax burden, uh, they put, this is hearsay, I don't know this for sure, for sure, but according to a couple lawyers I talked to, they put more businesses out of business than anything else in this country, and I understand why now, because why let you have money to invest in your company or to even exist when we can put you in the hole right away, which they did to me. I, I had to take out a personal loan and a business loan to stay afloat. Thankfully, the interest rates are between 1% and 3%, and given inflation right now, that's basically free money. So it worked out really, really well in the end. However, it made for a very, very stressful few months. Anyways, we wanted to make a documentary and that pulled the plug. That was part of the, that was one of the things that pulled the plug. And the other thing was that I was kind of on my road to burning out again. I was working too much on too many things and I needed to put my effort into something more like Paris in my pocket. I needed to get that going. So like when I did another trial after the one that we, I don't think I really filmed too much of it. It was more for the science. I wanted, I wanted to just verify the data. But, you know, with that, I kind of just lost heart. And I was like, you know what, this we can back burner this. Like, 
I want to make a documentary that has some fun animations that has some really interesting inclusions from members of the YouTube community. I wanted to make something big and it was going to end up being like a real like hour, hour and a half long movie, like a real feature length movie. But to hire an editor to fly over there, uh, to get Pushan and I over there to rent the equipment that we were going to need to kind of produce it at that level was just it was going to cost like at least 50 grand, if not more. I mean, it could have cost even more. And when you start thinking in terms of higher quality, like the, the cost of everything just balloons. Um, and I had, I mean, I've put my money into risky ventures many times before. I like to take uh, big risks. I like to swing for the fences. But I'm also learning that I probably shouldn't do that all the time because I keep putting myself at uh, great risk of being destroyed by uh, the French government or just life in general. So I took a little bit more of a conservative route financially, just saying, you know what, like I need to save. Like I almost got taken out by the French government. It'll never not be funny and frustrating. And um, I just need to like put money away for a while and focus on building like a sustainable business under the YouTube creation. Cause I also recognize that like, I think I'm getting a third wind or fourth wind, whatever now for YouTube. But for a long time there, I didn't know for sure if I was gonna be able to keep going because I just was killing myself at it. And so I was like, I need to invest in building something that can survive and last, even if I can't. Um, because the reality is that money makes, it doesn't make the, I mean, I don't know if it makes the world go around, but it definitely pays the bills and keeps the French government off your back. So I definitely have to have income. I can't live without it, unfortunately. Um, and so I was just trying to, I was just taking some reality checks just left and right. And one of those was to say, I got a back burner, this documentary. So even though the science worked out and everything was like, it was a really compelling story. I felt like it was a really, really good story. And I was really proud of what I'd done. And, um, and it was just cool to see all of the experts and scientists we did talk to, whether it was at the lab or my buddy, Mark, who is not an endocrinologist, but is, is, has all of the, all the degrees. So he's definitely a qualified scientist surgeon and doctor, um, you know, just to see people's reactions to it and to know like, wow, I've really done something. Like, I was just kind of like, you know what, if nothing else, and I knew this from the beginning, I was like, if nothing else, I've gotten this, this burden off of my shoulders where I, I've seen this through to its completion. So I've done the thing and I've proved that it could work. And I found something for me personally, like if I ever end up in a serious relationship again, this is something that I can bring to the table and say, listen, I can do this thing. It's not foolproof, it does need more science, but it's something that I can add to our collective arsenal. Although I really feel like it's it's another two or three years away from really trusting it fully, like it needs a lot more study. So there was that. But then it was that thing where I was like, I know I gotta, I gotta tell this story, but I felt discouraged because I had talked to some producers. I tried to shop it around. I tried to go to everyone and tried to find someone that would be interested in it and I got nothing back. And, it, you know, making a movie is already really hard. Making documentaries is impossible. And now everybody wants you to make it and then maybe they'll buy it later. So I was like, well, I don't have the money to invest in this and I can't do it at the level I want to do it. And maybe I'll just wait and we'll see. And I'm just going to put my what time and energy I have in other things, including a puppy who, again, to reiterate, don't get a puppy in the middle of doing one of these trials. Like, what a nightmare. Having him sitting in his kennel, like doing kennel training, screaming at me while I can't do anything about it because my nuts are in hot water. Um, uh, painful in so many ways. Not my favorite. I did not enjoy that time at all. So, man, I mean, from here, like,
that's that interesting thing. Well, I guess to bring you up to speed then the rest of the way, is just that thing where, like, with all the things going on in the States, with Roe v. Wade being overturned, the potential for that to happen kind of let the fire back under my butt. And then I think Johnny Harris making his video and still missing the idea. Like, nobody was seeing this idea. Everywhere I went, everybody, like, it seemed so obvious. How am I the only one that sees this, right? Not that I am. There are obviously other people that did. I cannot take credit for the idea as if it were entirely my, at all my own. Um, but I was just like, how is nobody seeing this? And so seeing his video come out and everything going on, and I was like, I have to add to this conversation. Like, I can't just sit on this footage and this knowledge and this experience forever, which is where this is headed, because I don't know if I'm ever going to make this documentary. So I was like, I just got to put it out there. I don't know if anybody will even care. I lost not a lot of subscribers over it, but I lost a handful because I think people were kind of upset about it. And it's interesting to see like the retention graph on it is terrible. Like some people, the people that watch it really watch it. The people that love it really love it. The comments have been amazing, but it is probably my most disliked video. And there are a lot of people that I think were very confused that I made it. And I could have done a better job leading into it maybe, but whatever. It's just like, I just got to make this. And I, I felt like I had to do it. And if you've been following me for a long time, if you listen to these, this podcast, you're watching this video, then you probably were not terribly surprised because even though nobody guessed that this is what I was doing and nobody saw that coming specifically, if you know me, then you know, yeah, that something like this is probably going to end up happening at some point. And my channel has always been about me first and Paris second. So that all made sense, but it, it was risky and not how I wanted to do it. Strategically, I thought... Okay, I wanted to start another channel. I wanted to do more long-form, thoughtful, artful videos. And I thought if I build up an audience to that who enjoy those things, then this story would really fit with that if we decided to release it to YouTube. But the way the life has gone, like making a second channel has made no sense. And, you know, it's been just every, you know, it's just, it's just the timing. It's just I didn't have control over it. So it's like, let's just do this. And the response has been like, yeah, it's been a little bit disappointing in the sense that like, I, I would hope that more people would care. Like, I'm so surprised at how many people are really not interested in it. Um, and how it's a conversation that really, I can see how it's not gone anywhere. I've got a little something there, sorry. I can see how it's not really ever been, or, you know, a bigger conversation that it's never caught wind in its sails because, you know, not only are you questioning the status quo, I guess, but like it is so far down people's priority lists. And I'm really interested to know why, why that is ultimately, like, why is it something that isn't talked about more? But I guess it doesn't come as a total surprise. It's just, it is a little bit of a disappointment on that front. And even I've, you know, reached out to journalists that have written about this stuff and, um, Lindsay's been helpful in trying to poke a few just to get some attention, but I don't know if it's just because the attention economy is completely flooded or because it really is just is not that interesting. It's like that annual interest piece where people are like, where's the pill for men? And then they write an article about it and say the same stuff they said the last time and then that's it. Um, maybe that's it. Maybe I went about this all entirely the wrong way. And we'll never know. I guess. You know, and it has a long shelf life. Like maybe it'll pick up at some point. Maybe somebody will care. Maybe society will care. I mean, it's that interesting thing where you see the stats and more and more men um, are interested and want to take responsibility. And like we have a generational shift happening uh, where people 
are supposedly at least very interested in this, but I guess it's just that thing where maybe if you ask somebody directly if they care, they'll tell you, yeah, of course I care. Uh, but it's very, very low down the list for most people. So I don't know. And I understand because like, yeah, I similarly, I have, I'm not a crusader for it. Like I'm not going to dedicate my life to advocating for this or anything, but, um, but I wanted to do my part. At least I wanted to, you know, I, I, I have something to contribute. I feel like I've contributed that and where we go from here. Well, I guess I go back to making videos about Paris and my life and traveling and Cooper and coffee and beer and like just, I think it'd be interesting if you're listening to this, especially patrons, if you are, uh, if you want to go back to the post where I posted this originally, I'd be really curious to know, you know, just any of your thoughts with it. Like, I guess where, or what, if, what kind of this statement too, because I'm, I'm in this, this phase of like rediscovering who I am which goes back to like the career coaching. And we can talk about this more uh, in a future podcast as well. But you can inform that discussion a little bit. We'll turn this into a dialogue here for a second. When I'm thinking in terms of like what comes next and how I brand myself and how I, I let go. Like there's a lot, I've been getting in my own way for a long time. A lot of you have known that. A lot of you have seen that. It's time to stop that. Time to stop getting out of my own way. And I think that I'm on my way to doing that. My channel and a lot of what I make is about like, yeah, showing you how to travel, where to go, what to do, and so forth. But I think I offer a lot more than that, hopefully, in the terms that I, you know, I've let go of my spirituality and, and I, I've kind of rejected it for a lot of reasons. And that's a story to tell as well. Um, but it's still a big part of who I am. And there's still a lot I feel like I have to offer that I'm not bringing to the table. So finding a way to weave that into the Paris stuff, the travel stuff, whatever, I think it's very possible to offer, hopefully, I don't know how to say it without sounding totally up my own butt, but just hopefully offering like a different perspective, not a different perspective, but just sharing my, a perspective on the world that is hopefully a little bit more encouraging, hopeful, uplifting, but also pushes us towards collectively acting to, to the betterment of humanity as a whole. Um, I've come from a place where I was raised to be very self-sacrificing in my approach to how I tried to be of benefit to the world. And I've realized that being a martyr is not a sustainable or long-term strategy because you can really only die once. And that's also part of my burnout cycle and so forth. So I've changed that tack to try and prioritize my own health and well-being. And then from a healthy place, have a direct impact on my community, like my actual friends and family, the people around me. But I'm also fortunate enough to have a platform that I can hopefully use to have a broader impact and replicate that for people that I will never meet, which is a really cool thing. So I'd like to, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think through this and it's something that I have to figure out on my own, obviously, but I'm curious, I guess what you think about, like, can I show and demonstrate as I figure out how to live the best life I can live, can I show and demonstrate that in an authentic way that then encourages other people to live realistic, sustainable, and positive lives? Like, can I uplift people wherever they are? Because I'm fortunate enough to have scrapped my way through to a place where I have a really, really cool life that I'm really grateful for that I realize is also fairly unique. But rather than you turn that into like an Instagram boasting session and like, humble bragging all the time, I would like to find a way of turning that into a vehicle 
that inspires deeper health. I don't know, better, just a better, a better standard of living and a better view on the world. And if, if I can encourage and inspire people just to turn around and help their friends and their neighbors and to be a positive impact in that small, but really truly profound way, then that, it, that feels like enough to me. That feels like a really reasonable goal, but also it feels like something that is not only attainable, but is realistic. It's that thing. It's like, we can't, I, I can't save the world from climate change, but if I can help a few thousand people help two or three people each, I don't know. You know what I mean? Do you know what I'm saying? We're kind of rambling now. We can, we can wrap it up here. If you have thoughts, uh, post them on that Patreon post or in the video comments below if you're watching this. Um, but I'm very, very, I don't know. I just, I'm just curious what your thoughts are and I'm, I will, uh, mold them over as I think about this and talk to my coach and talk to my therapist and talk to my friends and continue to, yeah, try to break out of the cages that I built for myself and then turn around and hopefully help others to do the same. I think the theme for me right now is just self-actualization. And that's, that's, uh, that's something that doesn't have to be totally navel-gazy. I think it can be a collaborative effort even though it's a very solitary sport. So with that, uh, that's a little bit of a rundown on uh, the behind the scenes on the swimmers, I think. There was a lot of interesting stuff that I learned. I was gonna share just some thoughts about that, but we can save that for another time as well. There's so much fast, there's just so many fascinating things between the history and the biology, the reproductive systems, the just so many mind blowing elements to it that I, it really does deserve a full length like documentary at some point, but I don't know, maybe somebody else will go ahead and make that someday. Who knows? I, I don't know what's going to happen there, but uh, I'm working. I'm actually leaving for Corsica. You're going to hear this while I'm in Corsica. I'm going to go try and have a vacation with like one day of work in the middle. Um, but otherwise a vacation rest up. And then when I come back, uh, we're going to hit the ground running with Paris in my pocket, like a second season of Paris in my pocket. I'm going to be working on the road to citizenship, which is hopefully a series on learning what it means to become French as I apply for citizenship. I'd love to take you along and learn what, uh, at least culturally it means to become French along the way together. Um, and then secret project number two is going to, uh, resurface in the dialogue because I have found some help for it. And I'm pretty excited about what's to come with that. It's very Paris-oriented, very travel-oriented. I think if you've followed me for non-personal and non-very personal things, you should uh, enjoy it a lot if you're here for the Paris stuff and you like to travel and you like the way that I go about it. Um, I think it's gonna be, I think you're gonna love it. So thank you to my patrons for making that possible, for making all of this possible. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be able to take these kinds of risks or make fun videos or, make anything really i uh, i would be i don't know where i'd be right now but thank you so much for making sure that i'm here i appreciate that i hope you have a wonderful day wherever it is you are and i will see you again in a couple of weeks for another monologue that'll probably be with a friend one on one off and uh we'll see who that is and i'll see you for that adios